You're now locked into Zone 32. Grant Durflinger, Jake Miller, the infamous Drew. Only on NeutralZoneInfraction.com. End Zone Infraction. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another installment of the Zone 32 podcast. Presented to you, as always, by us. My name is Jake. His name is Grant. His name is Drew. Say what's up. Post bi week shenanigans, what it do? That's right. The shenanigans too. The bye week just happened. The trade deadline just happened. You see these different teams making moves, like the Rams trading for Vaughn Miller and the Chiefs trading for Melvin Ingram and the Ravens traded for nothing because they didn't make any trades. They made no moves. They stood pat. Unlike two years ago when they traded the fifth for Marcus Peters, and unlike last year when they traded the third and the fifth for Yannick Ngakwe, one of those moves worked. The other did not. So, Drew, floor is yours. Go rant on EDC right quick. I just want to know why Marlon Mack is a healthy scratch for the Colts tonight and not in, you know, purple and black for Sunday. Um, clearly, we need a running back and no reason why we didn't go get him. If the Colts don't even want him to play, what was the point of not going out and trading for him? Uh, Zach Cunningham is another name. You know, we can't tackle. Zach Cunningham is a tackling machine. Uh, it really doesn't make too much sense why we didn't go out and make any moves at the trade deadline. I feel like, you know, this is a year where a lot of our, you know, rivals, I guess, the Chiefs made a small move for Ingram. He really wasn't that good with, um, you know, Steelers this year. But, you know, this is a year that you could have gone out and made a, you know, legitimate move, kind of solidified the team, especially dealing with, like, 17 guys on IR. And really all we needed was, like, a, you know, a decent running back and some middle linebacker depth. And EDC makes zero moves, which makes zero sense to me. Um, just do not understand his thought process. I don't understand why we are not trying to get better, you know, using the excuse of the salary cap, which is clearly fake, as you can see with Von Miller going to the Rams. Um, you know, there were moves to be had, and it makes no sense why we didn't make any. But, you know, the guy gets paid to do his job. He doesn't do it very well from my uh, vantage point. But it is what it is. On to the Vikings, and hopefully that this doesn't come back to bite us in the ass. Well, there you go. Grant, I'm going to leave it to you. I'm gonna let you I mean, I agree. You know, like I, I'm, you know, less critical. You know, I'm I'm an EDC guy, but like I, I think that he kind of really dropped the ball on this one. And you know, I get everybody's gonna say, okay, 17 guys on IR, whatever. You know, and I could understand maybe a little hesitancy with the running back. I wanted Marlon Mack too. I either wanted Marlon Mack, Melvin Gordon, or James Robinson. You know, for some reason, Jaguars don't like James Robinson. He's an animal. But I get the thought process of, hey, what happens next year? You know, you got two bona fide studs coming back. You know, you can always grab a middle round guy if you want to. Lord knows we have, what, four fourth round picks, five fourth round picks, something like that. So, you know, it, but, you know, on the same side, you know, I was big on the Zach Cunningham. You know, when I saw that he, he was available, I'm like, that's an absolute fucking no brainer. Like your whole issue, and we talked about it last week's show. The whole issue is, is we can't tackle over right now on defense. You got a guy that had over 160 tackles last year. Like what? Like you're you and, and you know that they're in a straight sell mode. So it's not like you have to give up a whole lot for him. I get the cap thing, but I'm pretty sure Zach Cunningham is still on either his rookie deal or he's on a minimal contract compared to position wise. But you know, like Drew said, you know, salary cap is super fluid. You know, you got your people who are like, oh, you're an idiot. They got they didn't do this because there is a salary cap. No, if teams want to make something happen, they can make it happen. You can call it kicking a can down the road if you want. Some people call it wanting to win right now. And when you have a team that you're five and two right now, you're leading your division, 
you know, there's a couple really big holes that you could have solidified right there. You got five guys coming back from the IR. So not only are you five and two, you got five starters coming back and you could have solidified one or two of those positions. The Zach Cunningham move makes a lot more sense for the future because we don't know what's going on at middle linebacker. You know, it seems like nobody's playing well but Josh Bynes. And we talked about a little about that, Drew said, before the show. And, you know, it, it, it just makes too much sense. Zach Cunningham's a guy that could be a Raven for the future. You know, him and Patrick Queen, him and Malik Harris, you know, him and Malik Harrison. I mean, it just, like, there's a lot of different movements put there. I mean, you could have got an O-lineman. I mean, Dillard was on the board. There's a swing tackle right there that you've been looking for. Villanueva's probably gone after this year. Uh, we don't know what Ronnie Stanley's going to be. That's a significant injury for a big guy. You know, I hope he comes back in as well. But that's not something to easy come back from as a left tackle when that's your plant foot. Like, that's not something that's going to be easy to – you can't expect an all-pro guy when he comes back, basically. If he is, cool, but you can't expect that. Um, but I think it, I think he really dropped the ball. I mean, I think there's potential of this team to make a run. As long as Lamar Jackson's under center, you got a chance to win a football game. Um, you know, Marlon's not going to have a game like that again. If he did, I would be completely surprised. But at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, I'm all in with the fact that definitely should have made a move. Whether it was running back, interior O-line – swing tackle or middle linebacker. I mean, something needed to be done and nothing happened. You know, sat on our hands. We got a buku of draft picks. You got to solidify and build. I understand you like draft capital, but you got pro bowl potential right there. I mean, Marlon Mack steps in right now. And with the running game that we have, he's a guy that could come out and bust out, you know, eight, 900 yards rushing in the second half of the season, you know, but you know, it's just, it is what it is at this point. So I just hope that we come out of this bye week. You know, I think that that was a wake up call against the Bengals. I don't see a loss like that happening again. Um, But, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to crunch down. These slow starts got to stop. So, I mean, I'm a basketball fan, Celtics fan, and I know it's a little bit different of a tangent, but for years I watched Danny Ainge sit on his hands and not make trades. He had a stockpile of draft picks. Celtics were, you know, one superstar away from being a legitimate contender in the East. I mean, LeBron was running train on the East every year. He had one more guy to, you know, put you over the top and compete with him. And he never did that, and now he's out of a job. And I get those same kind of vibes from DaCosta of, you know, he values draft picks more than he values probably his own children at this point. And he just, you know, keeps stockpiling these third, fourth round picks that he doesn't really hit on. I mean, if you look at his draft history, it's not good. Like, there's really no way to sugarcoat it. I mean, he's hit on a couple of first round picks and a couple of early guys, but nothing has really, you Andrews know, come from these. Third. He was a well, Andrews, third. yeah, but Andrews was Aussie. So, like Andrews yeah, is. A- uh, I mean, if you look, I mean, we took two guys in the fifth round, fifth round this year that aren't even on the roster. Like, never even made the opening week roster. Like Trey Smith point, was sitting right there. Yeah, Trey Smith was sitting right there. I, I understood the Mason pick at the time because you didn't know if Boyle or Ricard were going to be ready for the year. Uh, you know, there was a chance that both of them were going to miss time to start off the year coming off surgery. But once you knew, you know, Ricard was ready, like, you know, Mason becomes a useless pick. Um, you know, Sean Wade is a slot corner. Like, why are we taking him instead of a tackle? And we had a ton of corners, clearly. Like, we don't, you know, we, we ship them off for next to nothing. So, I just feel like this whole stockpiling draft picks when you don't hit on these late round picks is kind of a you know stupid way to look at the team. Like we're built to win now, and we're built to win for the future. We're built to win as long as Lamar Jackson can play football. So it's like it's no a, need to. It's like it's a safe hope. You know, it's like you know I'm safe because I'm middle of the pack, but top tier middle of the pack. 
But if we succeed and we do go into the playoffs and make a runner, we do make a Super Bowl, it makes it look that much better. But that's the gamble of being with that, that you know, mediocrity there. You know, you're floating for a safe hope. You know, you hope that you succeed, but you're playing it safe. And I think that we need to be more aggressive, especially 100%. right now. 100%. You can't, you know, just sit around and wait for the roster to come together. There's going to be injuries every year. There's going to be, you know, unforeseen guys that go down that are going to potentially hurt your team. And it's like, if there's somebody out there to trade for, like a Marlon Mack or a Zach Cunningham, that's not going to cost you the future. There's there's no point in holding on to your, you know, bottom of the fourth round that you got for a compensatory pick instead of going and getting somebody that helps you this year. Yeah. Already developed. Exactly. Precisely. I mean, you guys hit the nail on the head and not to mention what you're talking about, like hoarding fourth round picks. You're hoping you can hit essentially a developmental guy that winds up being pretty good, i.e. a Matt Judon of the sort, someone who you take a flyer on and winds up making your roster and is, isn't great, but he's better than what you expected. So, I mean, with hoarding those picks, I'm like, eh, you use it to make a move. Like, oh, shit, send a fucking sixth, seventh, something real late to the Colts because obviously they don't want to use one on Mac. I mean, this shoot, he's yeah. again, active for Thursday night football against the Jets, and he's a healthy scratch at that. So, I mean, see if we wind up with an Odell Beckham situation on our hands. Not that his dad will post highlights of him, but more do the Colts want him? Because I get the impression if you're just going to have him be a healthy scratch and you're just going to play your two backs and high ends and Jonathan Taylor, you don't really want him on your team. I'm just saying. But anywho, we move on. Back to, to like the old age argument of, you know, I was always on the side of give me a proven player over a draft pick. Like I never understood why the Ravens weren't one of those teams that that when they're picking in the late twenties, you know, having a successful season, you know, Patriots go out and get Brandon Cooks for a first, or go out and get, you know, they they are not afraid to move because you're getting a proven guy. Like I never understood that. You got a chance to get a young Pro Bowler, and somebody's like, hey, let me get a first round pick, and you don't want to do it because you might get a guy that might pan out. Like that that never made sense to me. I'll always value a proven player of a pick. You know, of course, age and injury history comes into a dependency on that, but I'll never understand people taking draft picks over proven players in any given situation, unless you're picking top 10. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah. your you know, first-round picks for rentals are questionable. I can understand yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. argument. But yeah, but I mean, somebody that has potential to stay. Yeah, somebody's got, got three years left on their contract. Like, yeah. that first-round pick is, you know, the way the Ravens run things, like that first-round pick is going to be pretty useless their first year. Um, we typically don't start rookies right off the bat. You know, it takes them some time to break in. So you're talking about burning the first year of that deal. Second year of that deal is still kind of like a developmental year. And then so by year three, they're good. You know, whereas you could have had three years of like a legitimate player. And yeah. it just it I mean, doesn't O-A's make sense to sit in there. Like rare breed. Well, that's kind of out of necessity, too. There was nobody else yeah. in that position. So it's sort of like he had to ball, like he had to step in and play well. Um, you know, when we have guys like that, it may, you know, Marlon came in his rookie year because we had nobody playing in secondary. And did well. Ronnie Stanley, I think, started right off the bat. Uh, you know, Hollywood and Boykin started right off the bat because we had, you know, Seth Roberts and Willie Sneed as wide receiver one and two. So if there's like a legitimate need, I get that the rookie steps in and, you know, potentially plays well. But in general, like there's no point in hoarding picks if you can win now. Not to mention the crapshoot that is the NFL draft. I mean, on one hand, sure, you could wind up with taking someone in the late, late first round, like an Adafi away, and he pans out and winds up being your team's best pass rusher. Or you could just sit there at pick 32 and take a Matt Elam. I'm, yeah, I'm well. saying, like, why hoard the pick to take a Matt Elam when you could have had 
a Brandon Cooks, or you could have had shit, Minka Fitzpatrick, anything of the sort. I'm just saying. Well, that pick wanted to turn into what, the tackle for the Dolphins and Austin Jackson, or did that turn into that corner that doesn't play at all? I'm just I saying. think it turned it, um, or was it Waddle that they? Um, oh, that was Philly. That was like that was Waddle a year. Was Philly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but I mean, regardless, like rarely do you hit on first round picks to the extent that you draft an all pro right off the bat. Usually, guys don't step in and don't produce at an all pro level their first year. It's just impossible to expect that on a year to year basis. Well, man, we just talked about Trey Smith. He's probably the number one performing rookie right now, and he was a six rounder. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the truth. Anywho. Let's fast forward. Sunday, Ravens play a host to the Vikings. Wearing their purple and black last time that happened, it was the snow game, which had one of the more ridiculous finishes with Toby Gerhardt's was a 40-yard TD run, Jacoby Jones with the kick return, then Cordero Patterson with that bubble screen and just breaking Matt Elam's ankles, which was really funny. And then Marlon Brown with the game winner. One of the crazier games I've seen. Like, I've that if ending was fin- ending was nuts. Anywho, I'm gonna start with Grant. Give me a preview on this Minnesota Vikings game. What are you looking to see outside of like victory or defeat? That's just that's basic. Yeah, I mean, so that game that that's probably one of the funnest games I've ever been to. I went, I was at that game. Um, we actually we actually left in the fourth quarter with like six minutes, or it was like right before the run happened. We were literally sitting there piled in snow. Like, it was, like, piling up on us. We're like, fuck it, let's go to Mother's. So we went to Mother's to watch the end of the game. And I was sitting there the whole time just shaking my head. I was like, this is nuts. I mean, it was like touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Um, But, no, going down memory lane, that was was the Marlon Brown game. Um, But, no, I mean, this this weekend, you know, it's a different story. You know, um, coming off one of the worst losses that I think we've had in quite some time, probably since I think Drew said last week with the the Texans game, was it 2015? Yeah, uh, 2012 where you got the London game. 12, 12, yeah, because that was the year we won the Super Bowl. Um, But I don't – you know, Kirk Cousins comes out. We have the type of defense that would give him problems. But he's also the free slinger that he's got enough weapons that the way our pass defense has been playing, he could go out and throw for 400. But I think that it comes out different. I think having an extra week to game plan, you know, getting your ass kicked like that by a division rival, you know, I think puts a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth. So, you know, the preparation was big. You don't want to come off a bye week, you know, getting a loss after that. That puts you at five and three. Then you're back in the mix. You want that advantage, you know, get that game and a half up um, or that game up, sorry. But um, I, I think that, you know, we need to do what we do best. Roman needs to stop getting cute. We need to do what we do best. We need to run the football. We need to plow forward, play forward, and we need to do misdirections. Keep them moving side to side. You know, you got to keep the defense moving horizontal. And, you know, when he gets away from those quick crosses, those quick outs, the, um, you know, the running or the QB sweeps, the, you know, reverses, that type of stuff, when he starts – throwing the ball down the field. I mean, there's too many times where we'll have second and three, Lamar throws a 50-yard bomb down the field. Why? Get the first down. Do that on first down. You know, get the first down, do it on first down, then you know, okay, I got second and 10. But don't do that on second and three or third and two. You're throwing a 30-yard bomb. Like, or you know, what are you doing? Like, we do too much of that and we give away possessions. You know, there's a lot of times there's three and outs in the first couple drives of the game. It looks like they're just trying shit out. It's like, okay, well, then what happens if our defense makes a mistake, they score, now you're playing from behind. We need to start fast and play fast, and we don't do that. I don't know if it's Roman, um, but, I mean, obviously it is. 
But I think that they are going to come out ready. I think they're going to get back to what they do best. I think we're going to run the football. Latavius Murray's back. Um, you know, the other old heads aren't really, you know, doing what we thought they were going to do. Freeman hasn't played bad, but I think, you know, there could be a bit, it's going to be a big game for Lamar. Um, Bateman's going to have another week under his belt. You know, he's got confidence brewing. I could see him having, you know, a hundred yards this game and a touchdown. You know, he's, he's targeted a lot. He, the routes that he runs are complement to him being a skillful receiver in the sense of gaining yak. And then what that does is that opens up Hollywood over the top. So, I mean, I think that we could come out playing a scheme of a lot of play action, you know, take advantage of that running game that we hope comes back. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think from a defensive point of view, they have to just stop the Vikings from getting big plays. You know, they're going to score. It's going to happen. Our our defense is just not the same defense that it's been. They have too many weapons. You know, Cook's going to find the end zone. Thielen or Jefferson's probably going to find the end zone. Um, if you can kind of limit them from the, you know, quick strike, big play touchdowns, uh, keep them under, you know, probably 24 points. I think it's a very winnable game. Um, get the run game going. And I know that their secondary is pretty bad. I think between Bateman and Hollywood, you should have some, you know, somebody having a fairly big game from the receiver position. And Mark Andrews should go off as well. Um, you know, like you said, instead of – I assessed that online. Lamar is averaging – I want to say it's like 12 air yards per attempt. And the next closest guy in the league is nine yards, like because he's just lining up and bombing it down the field on third and two for no reason. I don't understand, you know, that kind of play call. It looks like, you know, Roman just calls four verticals every play, which makes absolutely no sense. Um, again, I'm just hoping that the offense is efficient, can run the ball well, and we can just kind of outscore the Vikings. I think our offense is good enough to do that, and their defense is bad enough for us to do that. Yeah. I could see a big game from OA to the, uh, you know, against them, you know, they're, I, you know, I think that he's playing with a high confidence right now too, and he's he's getting in there even against the uh, the Bengals. I mean, he was getting in there, and you know, I think Kirk Cousins is somebody that holds on to the football a little long sometimes, and you know, you could take that to an advantage. But if you've got Tyler Conklin, start him this week. I bet you he scores. They're playing the Ravens. Hundred percent. Right. Yeah, him and Dalvin Cook are going to put up big fantasy numbers. Yeah, no, that's the truth. If, if you're looking to stream a tight end in fantasy, stream whoever plays the Ravens. I did that, and CJ Uzama wielded me a big week in fantasy. So Tyler Conklin's not a bad star card at all. If you're if you have somebody on the buy, or you have George Kittle on IR or something of the sort. But anywho, hey, you know who's I'm, not bad at covering tight ends? Zach Cunningham. Yeah, been a pretty he, solid guy to pick up. Right, but either way, I mean, what I mean. Kirk Cousins is the ultimate barometer to how well your defense is. If he lights you up, you know you have a bad defense. If you if he has a bad day against you, you know you're at least pretty good, at least among the top half of the league. That's among the top 16 teams because he doesn't do much against good teams or good defenses. If only this game is in prime time because he's hot garbage in prime time. He does not play well, especially on Monday night, but – I mean, if some buts is candy and nuts, and we'd all have a Merry Christmas if that was the case, but that ain't the case. What I'm looking forward to seeing, though, is Marlon. He has an opportunity to bounce back, though I think instead of him getting put on the, on Justin Jefferson all game, I got on a, I get the impression, I got the feeling we'll be seeing a little more of Thielen, and we'll try to double and take away Justin Jefferson. Good luck. They'll get the, They'll get theirs, but that being said, you put your best corner on their number two, and then bracket and take away the number one give Avery some help over there I mean that's that's my thought process but I'm not Wink Martindale we'll see what comes of the game and then 
Davon Young have a day against C.J. Osborne. That's either way. And and the thing with Kirk Cousins too is if you make them pull off sustained drives to score, I mean we're talking like ten plus plays. The chances of him making a mistake are pretty high. Like you know he tends to press, he tends to make stupid throws from time to time. If you can make him, you know, have to make ten good throws to get him in the end zone, like chances are one of them is going to get picked off. Instead of giving up the you know forty yard pass that nobody tackles and somebody runs it in for an eighty yard touchdown, like you know, make the tackle, make him make continued throws, and it's probably not going to end well for him. Precisely. You're not wrong about that. But, yeah, furthermore, to your point about OA potentially having a good game, Vikings offensive line isn't particularly great either. And also, they just announced today that Garrett Bradbury has been put on the reserve COVID list. They haven't announced whether he's out or not, so maybe he's vaccinated, maybe he's not. But either way, that's something to consider because if your center is out against that kind of defense, putting a backup in there who doesn't have a whole lot of experience, could get miscues along the own line and blown assignments, leading to free rushers. He doesn't like that too much. But anyway, well, and you got you got to think he was in a meeting room too with the rest of the O line. So any of them are unvaccinated. Maybe you got some contact tracing. Now they're down two, three starting offensive linemen, and that's you know that should be a field day for O and Houston. Yep, should be. No, no question. But anywho, that's gonna do us do it for us this week. We will be back to recap what happens on Sunday and. Preview Thursday night football since it's all close within the same proximity of the same week. Or maybe we won't. We'll talk about it regardless. You'll hear from us at some point. But either way, meantime, I'm going to make a noise. Grant Durflinger, Jake Miller, the infamous Drew. Zone, Zone 32.